Hi everybody, I'm your host, Kim Cochois, and you're listening to a new episode of Tapis Rouge. As you can tell, I'm a bit stuffy today. It's hay fever season, and we were just performing in Berlin where the pollen was out of control. So sorry for that, and my voice should be back to normal next week. You guys were a lot to find out who today's guest was, but the shout-out goes to Alona Zuravel from Germany, who was the first one to find out our iconic guest today, Olga Pikenko. Now this one needs very little introduction. Olga is without a doubt one of the most famous Cirque du Soleil artists. And if you've been a Cirque fan or have been working for Cirque, you've seen Olga's work. I got to sit down with her and talk about her early career performing with her dad, the creations of Kidam, Vareka, and Iris, the filming of the Emmy Awards show Fire Within, and even some juicy details about her relationship with Cirque founder Guy Liberté. So here she is, the icon Olga Pikenko. Hey, Olga, welcome to Tapis Rouge. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> when, when was the last time you had your last Tapis Rouge? Oh, last Tapis Rouge. Oof. Probably 10 years ago, ten nine, years 10 ago. years ago, something like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Long you, time ago. Like yeah. another life. <laughs> yeah. Olga, you're without a doubt one of the most iconic Cirque du Soleil artists. Thank Why you. don't you just take us from the beginning? Like how did you get first involved with circus? I know you were working with your dad from a very young age. Can you take us from the very beginning on your artist journey? Yes. So um, I started with rhythmic gymnastics uh, around five years old. I don't think I was five yet, like four and a half. Um, so I started rhythmic gymnastics. I did that for probably four years, mm -hmm. uh, four or five, almost five years. And um, I was actually really good at rhythmic gymnastics. And my coach wanted to send me to Olympic team and And I actually made the team. I was eight years old. And actually, it was a bet between my father and my coach. Like, if I will get into uh, an Olympic team, then he will let me stay in rhythmic gymnastics. But if I don't make it, he's going to take me and teach me circus. Mm -hmm. So uh, when the time came, and actually, it was, uh, I was chosen. But they, uh, they changed the year uh, that... Uh, that year they changed the year of uh, when you could join so it used to be eight years old and now it could, it, it's nine yeah so i had to wait another year and my dad my dad's like well bet is a bet you know so i'm taking <laughs> her <laughs> so he took me and he started coaching me and actually that was my first choice i was like begging him since since i was like maybe seven years old i'm like come on teach me something like i mm. see parents teach their kids all the time on tour and you never teach me like how come <laughs> <laughs> and he kept explaining to me like you know this this is not for girls I don't want you to work in the circus I was very persistent you know mm -hmm. so I every time my mom came back from from the tour so your parents were artists themselves uh so my father was a a performance since he was 21 years old He joined mm -hmm. Moscow Circus and he did uh, Bunkin. Mm -hmm. And yeah, eventually he uh, decided to try it out and uh, teach me. And it was uh, it was a tough it was a tough road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was very strict, um, but I was uh, 
I was into it. I was like, yes, let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though I was hard, I still, I still wanted it really badly. At that time, was your dad training you in hand balancing already or was he training you into hand-to-hand? So he was training me to hand-to-hand, but um, it's pretty much the same training as for mm-hmm. hand balancing. Like uh, every trick that you learn on the floor is going to be in someone's mm-hmm. hands, yeah? Mm-hmm. And every trick that you learn on the floor is going to be on canes too. Yeah. So it's like, it's very, very similar the way mm-hmm. um, you would be trained. And uh, yeah, I had school and um, uh, my, my dad talked to the teachers and he was like, uh, he asked if, if there would be possibility to let me go a little bit earlier from school and to spend more time training. And they worked out a deal that I could skip an art class and a gym class hmm. and then I would still do it but not yeah. in school you know sort of like yeah. a, that was the deal Fair and they, they were like they were okay with it they were like sure <laughs> <laughs> so I would leave school every day at 12 p.m and we would go directly to the studio to the Moscow Circus studio and we would train for a long time it was like mm. we had two trainings and one was um Probably like three, four hours sometimes, depends oh, on how yes. things go. Yeah. So intense for a young nap. age. Very intense. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where like, so the second training was, I would take a little nap for an hour between one training and second training and eat a little bit. Um, and then the second training would go on as long, maybe like a little shorter, maybe sometimes two hours, three hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it was like conditioning and it was super hard. And I remember leaving the studio um, being so exhausted that my father sometimes would <laughs> would carry me and I would just fall asleep in his hands. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. And then he would he would help me with homework. I would be like falling asleep and he would be answering questions for me. He's like, okay, just, just write it down with your hand. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of like slowed down the intensity once we started performing. So he slowed down on... We slowed down on training, obviously, and mm-hmm. it was like a warm up before the show. And it was like two, three shows sometimes, yeah. So it kind of like made up for all this training. Yeah, and you started working at the Moscow Circus. I did. I started working in Mo- Moscow Circus when I was 11 years old, mm-hmm. and um, we had probably two, three shows before we were uh, before we left to a Paris festival. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was a little bit, um, the whole, there was a whole story how we got to to go to a festival mm-hmm. to Sur de Dame. Yeah, it's like one of the biggest festivals out there. Yeah, for sure. After Monte Carlo, right? So we there was a whole delegation that came from France and they were choosing artists to come and join them for the festival that year. And uh, we were not supposed to be my father was spotting some people in the show so he asked me like between I spot for people you're going to be rehearsing right here in front of me Mm -hmm. and when I'm done I'm going to come and join you right so they saw me on the side the the French people and they were like who who is this we want to see and they're like no 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 like this act is not ready you know like (laughs) no and finally they agreed to show the act so we we warmed up showed them the act and they were like fell in love yeah. um monsieur mcclair and uh, madame mcclair mm-hmm. they were like so in love with the act and 
they asked the Russian delegation to send you guys. let us go, yeah, and send us to France. And they were like, no, really? absolutely not. We didn't have a diploma yet. We did not like like finish the the program officially. The... Yes. So they were like, no. And to the point where like French people got really, really upset and they were like, none of the Russians are going to come this year if they don't go. <laughs> so, oh, really? Was it wasn't a big ultimatum? Yes, it was a big, yes. So they started taking us costumes and like working on the act a little bit more. And finally we went to France and... Um, were you excited and were you realizing how big of a deal that was? Oh my God, yes. I was super excited. Super, I really didn't understand like what, like that you could be stressed on stage yet. Mm -hmm. I just, in my head, I was just like, it was the biggest deal ever. And I really wanted to do it. I was super excited. And we went to France. Um, everything went really, really well. We performed really well um, both times. And you get gold. Yes, we ended up winning gold. And the whole alcohol career was like almost dead at that point. Mm -hmm. Because like, once you win gold, uh, most of the best contracts, they come to you and you yeah. have the choice, right? Yeah. So four years out of our life or five years where we, we signed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was a very beginning. We didn't even finish the contract because I, I started growing really fast at one point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was the last year where my dad's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're too tall she's now. About, yeah, she's, she's about to be taller than me. <laughs> So yeah, that's how we actually finished being partners, my dad mm -hmm. and I. We finished our career in in United States. We did Ringling Brothers, mm -hmm. and we did that for two years. And it was such a great deal because there was so many kids in the show, and my father really wanted me to be around mm -hmm. people my yeah. age because, like, since a very uh, young age, I had pretty much older people surround me. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. That was really, really fun show. Um, and we decided to stay in the United States at that point. My dad decided to to stay in the United States and coach mm -hmm. uh, gymnastics. And, you know, at that point, I already started dreaming of Cirque du Soleil and how I wanted to be in the show. Have you seen the show at that point already? I, I've seen the show uh, when I was 13 years old. The first mm -hmm. time it was in New York and we saw Salt and Banco. And uh, to be honest with you, every artist that was performing with me, they were so like hyped about the show. They were like, oh my God, it's the best show ever. And I think I kind of didn't like it as much. Mm -hmm. you know, I liked some of the acts really, really much. And they were ended up being my friends and just, just different acts. But mm -hmm. I didn't really feel like I wanted to be in Cirque du Soleil after I saw that show. Okay. However, my mom one time went to uh, to see Alegria and she brought back a CD, like mm -hmm. the music. And oh my God, I fell in love with their music. And this is how I started mm. wanting to work for Cirque du Soleil. I was yeah. like, oh my God, I don't know the show, but the music is just That's magical. Yeah. And I would go to sleep with it every single night, imagining that I'm the one who's in the show. Like, oh, again, amazing. not knowing which performed to that music, but I was just like, something fired in, inside, mm -hmm. inside of me. And I was just like, man, this is all I want. And I asked my dad, I was like, is there a way to be in, in the circuit? And he's like, actually, there's an addition. If you want to go, it's going to be in Florida. I can drive you. I'm like, yes, yes, mm -hmm. let's go. 
So we drove for 12 hours to Florida and uh, yeah, I got into audition and I showed them five different acts and they were pretty impressed. <laughs> what were the five different acts? So I did the hula hoop, uh, I did straps, uh, I did hand balancing. Mm -hmm. We still showed like hand to hand mm -hmm. and I showed like cordelise. Yeah. Oh, like really? the, the, yeah. Wow. And they were really, really impressed and they were pretty much laughing at like how much I could do and they're yeah. like, can you do anything else? And laughing. I'm like, why are you laughing? It's not enough. Why something? Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I think I made a quite an impression on them. Um, because they were like, the thing is we already have all the artists that mm -hmm. we need. We were just doing addition just to see if there was any more special people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a spot for, for you, but but they called me to tell me like they were really impressed. And uh when I when I saw my father on the phone with them, I just left to my room. I packed two suitcases and I was like, you can't stop me. You can't Ooh. stop. I'm going. Uh... <laughs> like, They're not even offering you anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they ended up giving me a, a free spot, which kind of was a very special deal. They um, they didn't have a, enough money, I guess. Yes, mm -hmm. so they were like, she's not going to get paid because we don't have this spot. But she can come and um, you never know. Maybe maybe somebody will get out during these nine months of training and maybe she could be in the show. Yeah. So they invited you on a tour or they invited you just to train in Montreal? They invited me for the creation of uh, Kidam. Okay. Wow. But like I said, they didn't have another spot in that show. Mm -hmm. They were like 54 artists and that's it. Mm -hmm. We don't need another one. But I came anyways. and Yes, they really wanted you. Also, yeah, it showed me that they, they kind of really wanted me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, at, at the end, they were giving me different acts. So first I signed a contract. I was supposed to be a Cordelise. Mm -hmm. So I learned their routine. And two weeks later, they're like, eh, there's some people who don't like that you're in the act. So we're going to give you another act. Don't worry. We're okay. going to give you like a Circe act. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I was on Circe. I started learning their tricks and stuff and and in two weeks i learned their act and some people were not happy about that they were like okay so we're gonna give you a solo act we're gonna give you straps mm. oh my god i hated straps they were like <laughs> burning so on every single day i was like there's bruises and i don't like it i really didn't like it mm -hmm. <laughs> so but i did it and at one point um uh, all of these important people all the creation creation uh, directors uh, and directors and coaches they were all walking through who were these people like if Franco Dragon was a director who were there like Bernard right. was there Franco, Boris. Uh, Bernard Boris and uh, some of the coaches that didn't work with me mm -hmm. Rene Bazinet yes so they were all like walking through, just looking at people, what they're doing. And Boris actually mm -hmm. was watching me. And every time I would come out of the straps, I would go into a handstand. I would, I would actually, I had a guy who loved to compete with me and we were doing like one arm presses, who would do more. Mm. And he, he, uh, Boris was watching and watching. He's like, hey guys, turn around, turn around. Do you see, do, do, can you look at that girl? I was like, do you see what she's doing right now? She's upside <laughs> down. And you're putting her in the air. What the hell are you guys doing? Give her canes. 
So yeah, the next day they came with canes. They gave me three canes, and they're like, "Here you go, play around, do something." And yeah, yeah and I start. I started making up things like some things that I already did with my father. I decided mm-hmm. to transfer all of them because I already knew how to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. to the canes, and I progressed super, super fast, and they were like super happy with the acts. They actually made it really, really hard. They made they gave me a table which was in the air, and the table was swinging, and I was doing handstands on it. Really? So I felt, yes. It, it was hard to adjust, but it was possible. Okay. So it was like a mix of hand balancing and Washington trapeze? Almost. So there was like a round table. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, this table was suspended in the air. And yeah, it kind of like swung from one side to the other. Yeah. And uh, yeah, made it a lot harder <laughs> to do handstands. <laughs> and Man, I fell off of it so a few times really badly. Like mm-hmm. I broke two teeth, stumbled down with like, like, yeah, it was really scary. Yeah, yeah. But the good thing for me is that it, it was just the beginning. Uh, they were testing how this table would work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they decided at the end that the table was too heavy because uh, if it wasn't heavy, it wasn't stable enough, but mm-hmm. it was heavy. It could screw up the teleferic that actually brought the acts in and out of the mm. show and if that gets screwed up the then whole no show, show is pretty much is aerial mm-hmm. and the whole show would be screwed up so they decided to cut the bending the table swing, parts yeah. yes and um just put the act on the floor and use the rotating table to mm-hmm. make it a little bit more interesting yeah and yes, we already released the show and my act wasn't ready mm-hmm. <laughs> there was so many changes going on. And probably like within four months, that was my first show. And that's how I started performing. Also, it was a backup act because I was one of the artists did not make the show. So that's mm-hmm. how I joined. Oh, so one artist ended up not making the show. So then they offered you a contract with a proper pay and everything. Yes. Yes. Okay. But yeah, but they didn't offer me the permanent spot in the show. So what happened is that I would pretty much perform every day but I never knew which part of the show I'm going to perform. Well, am I going to open the show today? Am I going to be the second act? Am I going to mm-hmm. close the show, open the second half, or close the second half? Yeah, so uh. like, yeah, I would come in and they would give me the news and like, okay, I That's guess crazy. I need to rush today. Oh, I don't need to rush today, uh, yeah. And when was your dad on tour with you at that time? No, I, I was on tour by myself. Um, I, that, that was it. I left my parents when I was 15 and that's it. Who was your guardian? So I had, yes, I had, while I was in Montreal, uh, Boris Verhovsky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was my, uh, his wife was my guardian. Lana was your guardian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, for one year and a half, I lived in their house. And oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was pretty, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a good time. They're pretty, very nice people. So yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, I was pretty lucky to be with them oh. <laughs> um so when we went on tour 1996 and how was it like you're 15 you're going on tour with Cirque you're pretty much on your own you're having like a solo mm-hmm. spot like how do you feel what's your life like uh, full of excitement I was so excited to be like just on stage every day it was I woke up with in a great mood and mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and worked out uh, just like I was supposed to. Um, no, I had a really wonderful time. And 
my goal at that time was I, I could see that the act was a little bit weak. So uh, after school, I had rehearsals, tried to make the act a little bit better every single day. Um, and by the end of the three years, I could see that my act was pretty strong. And I asked for a permanent contract, mm -hmm. which was a little fight again. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to leave. I think I'm going to go to college. You know, I think like, I think I'm done mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm not performing. Like it's not, it's not, I don't even have a permanent spot in the show, you know. You were on temporary contract and you keep renewing mm -hmm. your temporary after yeah. temporary. Well, well wow. no, it's not a temporary contract. I had a three-year contract, but uh, my act was a backup act in the mm, show. Yeah. And yeah, so I was leaving and they were like, okay, where are you going to go? I'm like, I think I'm going to go to Los Angeles and study. So I was interested in stunts as well. Mm -hmm. So I think, I, I think I'm going to go do that. But right before uh, the contract was over, probably like two weeks before, they were like, okay, let's go sit down and talk about <laughs> what you want. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just want a permanent spot, you know? And they were like, okay, we're going to give it to you. So yeah, we went to Europe and I already had my spot in the show. Wow. And uh, Franco came into Amsterdam and worked on my act for three months. Oh, nice. He redid everything. Wow. I, I started the show like in a little skirt. I was like a little girl. Like they were explaining that, you know, my, my canes are the flowers and I'm like a, a little bee, I don't know, mm. going from one flower to another. And this time he came in, uh, Franco came in and he's like, you know, red light district, are you old enough? Okay, go look at it. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Cut my skirt, made it see through. Everything is like out there. I'm like, oh my God, it was so hard <laughs> to adjust. <laughs> But, you know, eventually I got into yeah. the role and, yeah. And how was it to work with Franco on that during that three months to re remount the act? Pretty, pretty tough. He's, uh, it's like you have to be warm all the time. So mm -hmm. if, we're, if the rehearsal is 10 hours and it's pretty much your act, mm -hmm. <laughs> he could say at any moment, okay, let's go run through. And if you're not ready, he'll be like, why you're not ready? Mm, yeah. <laughs> we're rehearsing for you here yeah. so it, it was uh, it was like a lot how was it compared to working with your dad because you were used to a tough training regime and environment so how was it compared to working with Franco pretty pretty similar <laughs> <laughs> it's always uh, you always have to be like ready 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 you know and uh, a lot of anxiety could come come mm -hmm. in any time you know but that comes with the territory mm -hmm. and yeah so then when I got my permanent spot um, we did a European tour and uh, it was great 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 had a good time and mm -hmm. but all of a sudden I I was like you know I'm here in the show for six years already mm -hmm. I want to do something else and mm -hmm. yeah I was I pretty much grew up with the same cast and mm -hmm. I felt like like a continu continuous of being like a little girl, you know, mm, <laughs> like oh, people yeah. treating me the same way. And I was like, I need to go. I need to. I need to experience something else. Mm -hmm. And Cirque offered me Varikai at that time, mm -hmm. and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna take it. And they offered me like uh, a main character in the show, and mm -hmm. yeah, it was a lot more responsibility, but it mm -hmm. was uh, it was worth it every second of it. <laughs> it was yeah, so much and, fun. And so you're leaving 
Kidam, you're saying you're having your last show. How was it to say goodbye to the, your first Cirque show, a show you spent your whole childhood? It's like a show you get there, you were a child and then you grew as a young woman. Yeah. I was so excited to leave. <laughs> I was like, this is my moment to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get there, you get to Montreal and you're starting the creation. The creation of a new show. And it was as fun as I expected it to be. Mm. Now everybody's more similar to my age and the whole world is in front of us at this point. Mm. <laughs> so How was the creation? Because also they were filming Fire Within yes, in the same filming, time. So they were like mm-hmm. an added layer of pressure and like having cameras on you all the time. Actually, I adapted to the camera in your face all the time uh, pretty quickly. Even when they would film outside and they would walk like behind us. Mm-hmm. I ended up not feeling any, it was just something that was almost like normal. However, when I started seeing the episodes on the TV, mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I don't remember being it like this. So they completely like switch the story on you. Oh, and they I'm would? Like, oh, a little bit. They would just uh. like make it dramatic and stuff like that. And I was like, why are you guys doing that? And they're like, <laughs> well, you know. Show needs a little drama. And I'm like, yeah, but you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember some example? I, I remember the camera was, as soon as I would re- leave rehearsal, there would be a camera following me. Mm-hmm. And I was young and I would be like, oh my God, I'm going to joke on them. And I would like run away from the cameras, mm-hmm. like somewhere in another floor. And I would go and buy my own cho- my chocolates, you know, mm-hmm. and they would like run after me and they're like, what are you doing? And I would, as a joke, I'm like, shh. And I would run away again Mm -hmm. from the team. Mm -hmm. And they made it into like, oh my God, she has like a problem with chocolate. (laughs) And and the only Uh... thing she's eating. And she has to look at this properly because once she goes on tour and blah, 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 this is not healthy. And her bones and blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you doing? It was a joke. (laughs) It was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, and then like, People started selling, sending me chocolate the public. And I'm, really? that part was nice. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh my God, what a mess. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I remember when we were in a, when we did the Japan tour with Totem, Nikita, one of the Russian bar flyer was on Allegria too when he was a kid. He said uh-huh. in an interview that he liked Star Wars. And then all of a sudden, fans would come at the bow and give him like T-shirts of Star Wars and like toys yep. of Star Wars. And he yep. was really like, why are they giving me all this Star Wars stuff? And then he realized that he was way back. He did this interview and he said that he liked Star Wars. And that, yep. that's why the Japanese fan would give him all this Star Wars stuff. It was crazy. Right. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and the question is done. How is it to carry the whole show because you are the main character you have a different act so things actually started to get a little tough um so i came from the tour that already did like many many Mm -hmm. shows right so we were we we never really had a vacation we had coming from one city to another like flying to one Mm -hmm. from one city to another those are that's the time we would have Mm -hmm. off that's all and when I uh, decided to join a new show, every vacation we had between the cities, 
I would give it up to go and rehearse to the new show. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I ended up having no break for like a year and a half at all. Oh. I was like working, 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 training, working, premiere here, a show there. There's, it's like so oh, much. So they didn't let you leave the show. They leave Kidam. They say you had to do both at the same time, the creation and keep performing yes. on the show. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, I think I, I only had five months of creation with everybody because I was on tour. And like I said, uh, I, I would come mm-hmm. for like 10 days and leave again. And, um, and until I was finished with Kidam. And the rehearsals when we did for Varikatai, they were really long. I would have to be in the studio like nine o'clock was already a start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes because of the main character, they would let us go home really, really mm-hmm. late, especially when there were different projects like let's shoot uh, a video in the pool when you guys are swimming underwater mm. in the wedding dress. And, and I remember like the next day was a premiere of Kidam and I had to fly like around eight o'clock in the morning. Oh it was my flight to go and do the premiere. I came home at six o'clock in the morning, completely like I, I came to Kidam and they're like, what the hell did they do to you? I was like, uh, yeah, completely sucked sure. out of oh it. There's God, no energy. Our partner in this episode is Circus Talk, the online career marketplace for circus and the performing arts. Circus Talk is the new thing that is great for our international circus community. It is an amazing information resource bringing news, events, and industry trends to us, professionals working in the field. What also makes Circus Talks amazing is their first online casting platform that connects talents and talent seekers in circus and performing arts. If you're a talent seeker, you can finally post jobs and auditions in a professional and transparent way, instead of using social media accounts. There are already over 28,000 artist profiles on Circus Talk that talent seekers can search while talents can find jobs and apply to them via the Circus Talk platform. You can get your first month free on both Circus Talk Talent and Talent Seeker Pro membership by using the promo code TAPIROUGE in one word. So go to circustalk.com, sign up to Pro and use the code TAPIROUGE to find your spotlight with our partner, Circus Talk. All right, guys, a little side story now. Back in 2014, I hurt my back training backstage before a show. The pain was so intense, I couldn't put my socks on, sit for more than two minutes, and obviously, it took me out of the show for quite some time. I followed a strict core rehabilitation program, and after six weeks, I got back on stage. But I kept having recurring pain. So I started to educate myself about core anatomy, rehab training, and pain science. I wanted to understand why am I doing all these exercises if the pain keeps coming back. The more I was learning, the more I understood I had to change. I started switching exercises, tweak some techniques and executions, and also completely changed my perception of pain. After a couple of weeks, on top of reducing considerably my pain level, I was feeling so much stronger, which increased my confidence to move and better perform on stage. My life overall was so much better. Finally, I was pain-free and not scared to hurt my back again. 
I had a lot of artists and athlete friends who saw that happening and asked me, hey, what did you do for your back? And I thought, I could put it all out in a clear and clean way instead of always pulling random videos on YouTube and giving quick guidance. So I reached out to all the best doctors, physiotherapists, and performance medicine specialists whom I met touring and asked them to help me develop Protocol Cut to the Core. Protocol Cut to the Core is the first rehab and strengthening protocol for back or hip pain that also includes a comprehensive course in core anatomy, biomechanics, and pain science. It is approved by doctors, physios, and performance medicine specialists from five different countries. If you are suffering from acute or persistent back or hip pain, you can find Protocol Cut to the Core on our website at cuttothecorefitness.com. When movement is an issue, movement is the solution. And now, let's get back to the show. So that's how I started Parakai. And um, <laughs> like, the whole thing was already like, I'm exhausted. I'm just like, so exhausted that a year into a show, I was like, guys, you, I, need to, I need to have a break. You can hire somebody to replace me, but I need, I need my moment because I was so, my back started yeah, hurting sure. because it was just like, it was too much. Was too much. Um, yeah. So I left, I went to New York and I had a year and a half of nothing. I was like, I want to stop traveling. I want to have my own apartment. I want to date normal. Mm. I want to, I want to have a normal mm -hmm. life. Like I've actually like, that's the reason why I left Kidam because I wanted like something newer, mm -hmm. but it was just the same thing. And it was a lot mm -hmm. harder because now I have this uh, main mm -hmm. character and, and like you, you asked, like, how was it uh, in the show? It was, um, so in the beginning, especially when it's your first or second year, they don't really have a replacement mm -hmm. ready for you, right? If something happens. Mm -hmm. So even if you're like, oh, I can't, uh, my back hurts a little bit today more than the other day, I think I should have uh, let it mm -hmm. rest. There would be no backup. So I couldn't even do that, mm -hmm. right? Until the point where I was like, I, I can't move. That's when they were like, okay, we need a backup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so finally had a backup for me and yeah but at, like I said at that point I was so exhausted that I just I needed to go so you were in New York City for a year and a half for a year and a half I was like I need, I need to stop traveling I need to like have my own place and guess what <laughs> because I, I still didn't want to stop the performance mm -hmm. right so I decided to take Gallus mm -hmm. same thing with Cirque du mm -hmm. so I still stayed with them but they only used me like three four times a mm -hmm. month to do their gala shows I did some galas for NBA shows as well. And I started traveling so much more. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times when my told me, like, hey, where are you? I'm like, in the airport. Next time, ask me which airport I'm in. Because it feels like I was always at the airport. <laughs> uh, because it was always like one show here, then two shows here, and then one press conference here. And then, yeah. Yeah. So the plan of like resting and being more settled didn't work out quite nicely. <laughs> mm -mm, not really. I mean, I had my rest. I had, I had a few lessons. I had a, a heartbreak, and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's better just to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that was nicer because that didn't feel good at oh, all. Yeah. So yeah, I came back to Kidam actually okay. after a year and a half off. That's when I'm uh, where I met my husband. Were people treating you a little bit like a more like an adult at that time? 
Well, yes, of course. There, there was like pretty much every artist has changed by that point. Mm. Uh, there's already been like 10 years of the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. so it's, yeah, so I arrived in a completely different crew and uh, I liked it. I really, I, I really liked the feeling of that show. So I mm. really liked to be there. So I spent another six years in there. <laughs> I had my baby there. I, uh. Yeah, and when I had my baby, um, probably a year after when my uh, my son was a year i asked them like is there a possibility to be in another show <laughs> because, oh yeah <laughs> man it's too much of one show because now it's 12 years of kidam yeah, 12 you know? years in kidam yeah yeah i'm like oh my god again <laughs> so yeah they proposed me another uh, new project of iris yes iris mm-hmm. and uh, i was like sure yes let's do it yeah, but that, that show didn't last too long. It just lasted two years. Mm-hmm. And how was the creation for Iris? I've never seen the show live with all the videos. I've seen it all other friends who were on the show. Everyone said it was one of the best Cirque du Soleil shows. That everyone said it was amazing. It was, it was such a good show. It was such a mistake where we were located. Mm-hmm. The Kodak Theater, which became Dolby Theater when we were there. It just wasn't the best location for people to come and uh, actually enjoy the show it was right on uh, the main street where like the the chinese theater is mm. yeah uh and and somehow the theater was so hidden that even when people passed it they're like where's the theater we're like it's right here right there (laughs) what that's a theater so um we ended up having no public whatsoever like within uh, a year it was like 50 percent public 50 percent of the house house, and by the end of that year it was 30 percent and that's when we realized like this is not a great location to be in Mm. and um but it was too late And how was the creation process, your character and like the, the whole vibe of the show? The, the whole process, the creation process is very, very similar the way how, how much time you spend uh, in the studio and, and how tired you go home. That's mm-hmm. pretty much the same. But the only thing changed is uh, like uh, a little different acting because um, they, they wanted us to be more like acting like in the movies. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the camera was on us and it was projecting everywhere. So they, they gave us a little extra acting classes for the people who were characters yeah, mm-hmm. in the show. And they gave me a main character again. Uh, but at that time, I guess they learned from a previous time that they needed backup. <laughs> <laughs> they, took, they took another girl who I shared a character with. Uh-huh. But I was on, the only one who was doing the act. Mm, okay. I'm like, but wait, when I injure myself, still nobody can replace me. I yeah. can still do the character if I'm injured. Like, but I can't do my act. Yeah. So I kind of like didn't think it through again. It was a little bit stressful um, with having a backup because the, probably me and probably the girl in the same time, they, we, we both wanted this part like permanently mm. and yeah. we didn't want to have a backup. Mm. <laughs> and we could totally do this all by ourselves. Yeah. You know, you didn't need to switch through, uh, throughout the show. So she started to push, like, um, to have a lot more cues. And at one point, I was like, you know, she really wants it here. Take my all my cues. It's okay. You can have mm. it. So she ended up doing that. It was a little stressful because I could see that 
ended up with less and less in the show. Mm-hmm. I guess I that was a little stressful for me because mm-hmm. I could see the fight from the other side and how yeah. things would work out. Mm-hmm. And even though I was like, you can have it, there was some stress left and some, you know, yeah, like, sure. oh, you know, I don't feel good about myself and this and that. And I started to like not focus on how I could actually have a better performance and mm. how I could feel better. I started focusing on what didn't work and how bad I mm. felt. And I started becoming like a victim, you know. And um, I guess that mindset really broke me because mm. my body just start, uh, started falling apart mm. that year. And I could I could see that my energy, I was just like getting more and more de- depressed. Mm. I don't even know if I want to perform anymore. This is getting so hard. And and just just like that, my back completely broke that year. I remember we were finishing the year, like I couldn't breathe anymore. I was like, I think I broke my rib. Mm-hmm. I think I broke my rib. I can't breathe in. This is really hard. So I went to a doctor and they're like, there's nothing wrong with your rib. I was like, what? <laughs> I can't breathe. Um, they're like, yeah, but we don't even know how you're still performing. You need a surgery. I was like, what? You need surgery on your and back. He was talking my lower back. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not even here with my lower back. Who's this guy? Who is he talking about? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't complain about my lower back. My rib hurts. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but within two weeks, my lower back. I remember jumping off the handstand, and we were doing rehearsals for um, um. Oh my God. The Oscar show. The Oscar show. Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. How did you know that? Yeah, we were doing a rehearsal. <laughs> we were doing rehearsals for Oscars and I jumped down from a handstand and the pain that I felt, I never felt it ever before. I like completely like dropped down to my knees and I couldn't mm. get up. I was like, oh my God, I can't walk or anything. And that's pretty much how the end mm-hmm. of it came, you know, yeah. like, when going back to this doctor, he ended up giving me so many painkillers because mm-hmm. I was afraid to tell them that my back hurts because the the thing is with this because you had the uh, pressure with the, the with, with the other the girl, up, yes. Yeah. So every time I would mention that my back hurt a little bit, they're like mm-hmm. two weeks no show, and they wouldn't pay me. Yeah. So and I had a child and yeah. I had a husband. My husband still like wasn't allowed to work in the United States at that time. That created so much stress, and um, and yeah, like I, I mentioned, um, the doctors would give me pills, and the reason why I started taking these pills is because I did not want them to know that my back ever hurt, you know. And um, as that show was was going, well. One day or another, they're going to have to, well, they had to realize that I was not doing really well. And the show wasn't doing really well either. So the show was about to be bankrupt. And um, so what they decided to do is take out all the highest pay artists. So they took out seven people who were the high, the most paid in the show. And uh, so they could like at least have the show running for a little bit longer yeah how did they announce it they just took you one by one and said like Mm -hmm. we're gonna cut you because you're too expensive and then they announced it to the tapirouge yeah wow pretty much that's crazy that's yeah 
that was like i can't i can't believe this is happening right now <laughs> like yeah what you know i remember hearing that while being on totem they just cut all the highest salary on iris yeah and i remember like everyone was super nervous because totem was like there was two house troop acts but then he was only guest acts so everyone was really like <gasps> yeah oh my god are you doing the same thing here like it was yeah shocking so the way i took it was like you know what my back is not okay this is this is okay um i'm just gonna mm -hmm. like do something else and uh, at that time right away i got an offer to go to lenoir mm -hmm. to go to japan with the little show their show and uh i ended up doing that so three days later i finished with it is. I mm -hmm. went and I joined Lenoir and because I already had back pain and I thought like, okay, I'm going to accept like smaller shows, smaller contracts. And I was like, mm -hmm. if I do like three months in the show, two months off, three months in, it'll probably be better for my back anyways. So I was like, okay, don't get too upset. This is what we're going to do now. And it's probably just going to be better for me. Mm -hmm. As I went to Japan, my back was like, not happy at all and i ended up taking more pills and the, these pills they actually um well everybody knows how dangerous they are just just like so many people died off of them just mm. randomly yeah <laughs> that's a scary part but also it uh it kind of thins your bones so your bones become oh. really fragile yeah oh, so really? what happened is i fell off my cane and I broke my foot. And at that time, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think it is a sign because mm. things are not really well here. I think it's yeah. a sign. I think maybe I should stop and, you know, like just get my health back and on track. <clears throat> but um, because of the, I had a little bit of a pressure because I had a child and, and again, and a husband and a, and a house now mm. and I need to pay for everything. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to do my best. So I broke my foot, I came home and I spoke to my husband and I'm like, maybe this is a sign, maybe I have to stop, maybe, maybe this, yeah, maybe that's it. And he's like, no, you know what, you're going to recover, we're going to find you more contracts, you're going to be fine. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. So I ended up recovering, <laughs> went back to Japan. Two weeks later, I'm walking down the stairs, twisted my foot, or rock my foot again. And this two weeks time, later, two weeks later, the universe was like, you don't understand what I'm trying to yes, tell you. Right exactly. I, exactly. Wow. So, and this time when I broke my bone, it didn't just break, it shattered. So now I need a surgery. And there's a, like, when I had a surgery, the guy was like, well, I had plan A and plan B. There has to be a plan C because he's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, the bone is everywhere. So he had to collected piece by wow, piece crazy i after the surgery um that was in spain and i arrived home and i remember coming through the door and i just dropped to my knees and i was like please i don't want to do this again i don't want to go through for this sure. again i'm done <laughs> and mm, yeah this, this, sure. this was it that's <sighs> crazy yeah my god that's yeah that's i i can't believe it two weeks after it was really clear like it's this is not for you anymore yep yep wow how is your back now like did your back end up being fine did you end up having surgery or no i actually i never went back to doctors after i came back after um 
after the surgery, I went to my my therapist. Uh, I found a therapist, and I was like, "Take mm-hmm. me off these pills. I'm not performing anymore. I don't need this in my life." Like, mm-hmm. um, actually, he helped me really, really quickly. Like within two weeks, I didn't take the pills anymore, and it took me a while to like recover. Um, mm-hmm. I went into like really a lot of depression. Like, mm-hmm. man, I was sad. I was just. I just remember like I would lock myself in the room. I would close the windows and I'm like, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see there's a little daylight. I just want to be in my bed. <laughs> I don't want to move. Yeah, you just really intense depression. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And it it was like that for a while. So ended up moving from Los Angeles here to Vegas. Uh, also, my parents are close, like they live like right down the street to mm-hmm. me. So I was like, I just want to be close to my parents as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I started coaching and, and I just remember I could barely move. Like if I would drop something, it was so painful for me to like pick mm-hmm. it up again. And finally, like the what happened is, uh, so first thing I went to Los Angeles, I found the decompression clinic. And they mm-hmm. told me, like, with my condition, that would be the best thing. And I did a decompression um, session, which ended up being so painful. I thought I messed up my back right after. Mm. But within two days, I started feeling a little bit better than even before. So I did that mm-hmm. treatment maybe three times. They decompressed it. And then I realized, like, I could start moving. Oh. Then I started doing like little exercises because I'm showing it to people because I'm coaching now and mm-hmm. my body started to get a little bit stronger. And what actually changed everything is uh, I said it randomly. I was looking something for it, uh, on internet directly. Um, if, if something could help getting out of my depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was searching for things and I remember I would put the, uh, headphones and I would stay in bed and just listen and I didn't know what I was looking for because and then I was like maybe maybe I should search for for some uh, uh sane people maybe 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 their life is gonna inspire me somehow mm-hmm. and I would like search for these things and I remember falling asleep and waking up to something that made so much sense it was it was a self-healer um uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Joe Dispenza Mm-hmm. I was like, why does it make so much sense? It's pretty much answering all the questions that I had, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and with his um, lectures, I started to listen to all his, I read his books, I started listening to his lectures, and they were like three hour long lectures, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, and started feeling better instantly, yeah, and I really understood how, like, the negative thoughts in our head and um Mm -hmm. could actually screw up your life your body your health everything so i kind of could see that that's what happened to me but the good news is that there you could fix it (laughs) Mm -hmm. now you need to get like positive habits like you can't Mm -hmm. dwell on yourself you know like you um you can't make victim out of yourself and um and it started helping immediately. Uh, my back, my lower back doesn't hurt. I don't even know what they were saying. Like they, they mm-hmm. needed like some kind of um, <clears throat> surgery. Now mm-hmm. I'm like, what surgery? Yeah, you don't, you have regained your mobility. You don't have pain anymore. 
No, not at all. Like, yes, there is like cramps. Like if I'm doing handstands, if I come back doing handstands, my body will hurt. Yeah. But if I'm doing like a regular life and going to the gym and working out, that doesn't hurt anymore. And that was my biggest worry. I was like, yeah, I I know maybe I can make things better a little bit, but I know I will never run again and all of that. Mm. And I'm running and I'm jumping and and everything is fine. So that's amazing. Yeah. And do you enjoy coaching? I do very, very much. Yeah. 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 I didn't know I was going to enjoy coaching, but as the time went by, I just found my own way to explain things. And I could see mm. like a really big difference, um, how people are accepting the, the information that I'm giving. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it, like, yeah, everything changed little by little bit. And I love coaching. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And how are you uh, approaching life in your morning? You feel your get out of depression. You listen to yourself more. What are your your hopes? And do you have any dreams for the future? I just want to, I just want to stay happy, but really like truly like feel good. Um, and I know for that, it's uh, everyday work and you have to focus more on the positive things and, uh, the outcome that you want rather than mm-hmm. everything that you did that didn't work out. And actually this is where, um, this is where when you're a perfectionist, you know, when many years when you're trying to train and you're looking at yourself and you're trying to spot every mistake, every little Thing that you don't like and then then you you kind of change it so you can't do that in your life you can't you can't so that's kind of like a hard lesson for me to understand yeah but i think that is a very very important point that you highlight because that's what we're trained to do especially at, at Cirque, being like seriously artists because we do yeah. so many shows and we are trained to be performing to be the best and every day you perform you go to the you go to artistic tank you look at your your watch yeah. your act, mm-hmm. and you say, okay this i can be a bit better this a little bit faster and that's becoming part of your routine to judge right. what your you own do self on, on yes. stage. and that's mm-hmm. becoming like it's becoming a habit a habit and it, this habit stays in your life and mm-hmm. it doesn't work the same way in life anymore yeah. you can't be that hard on yourself you For sure. you have to get some different habits there <laughs> yeah for sure and i think it was super hard for me during the pandemic because i was still performing on the show and all of a sudden there were no show anymore yeah and all of a sudden there is not that thing but it's exactly what you're saying i kept looking mm-hmm. at things like oh this needs to be better and i was not focusing at all of what was good i was only focusing on like right. what can i make better exactly but that's setting you up in seeing only the bad in your life and not what's good and i think that's what you're saying is a very important thing yeah we have to learn how to be also happy with what you get sometimes it's maybe not be your best show but you know what it was pretty good i did pretty well yeah i made a mistake but the people clap they're happy i'm still did great and i'm satisfied with what i did today right exactly yeah you you need to keep that because it's really easy to lose with your negative outcomes so yeah, I, I think that's the you're right. It's a very important part of being an artist. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you understand that a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little question because there is um 
story in the zeitgeist of Cirque about a famous premiere in Quebec City when you arrive in a, a helicopter to, <laughs> to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, people still remember that. It was yeah. not a premiere. It was not it a was premiere. <laughs> you were very close with Guy at that yeah. time. So were you guys dating yeah. or just friends? We were dating a little bit, yeah. So what happened is he invited me to go to Europe, to like Monte Carlo and to his little trip that he makes over the mm -hmm. coast, yeah. And he invited me to be part of it. And I told him like, listen, I can go with you. It's uh, yes, that sounds amazing. But the only thing is I cannot be late for my rehearsal. I cannot be late. If I'm back on time, I can go wherever I want. Can you promise mm -hmm. that? He's like, sure. And I remember it was not a premiere. It was like the beginning of the city and, and, and it was Quebec. And I was like, I have two hours left. I have to be like, you, you promised. You, and he's mm -hmm. laughing. He's like, don't worry. I'll get you there on time. I'm like, I'm completely like losing Wedding. my coolness. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, that's the only thing I asked for because they were super strict with us. And I'm like, I do not want to be late, like yeah. ever. So uh, I'm going out of my mind and yeah, so he takes me to the car and he's like, you're going to be fine. And he tells the guy, do some balses while you're getting there. And mm -hmm. I'm like, what does he mean? So we, we get to the helicopter. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But anyways, there's no back, no, no going back. Like, what am I going to do? Um, so finally, uh, we're in the helicopter and he did a few balses. It's true. Mm -hmm. And then... I don't even think that he's going to drop me right beside artistic ten. And when I see that, I'm just like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Oh, my God, this is crazy. And I just remember, like, we hit the ground and I had like a little hat and I was trying to pull it down as much as I could. I was like, oh, my God, your face. this is so embarrassing. <laughs> So yeah, and then as soon as I came to artistic tent, I ran in and I was like, I'm not late, I'm not late. But everybody like saw me just descending in the, the helicopter. helicopter. So yes, so that was a joke <laughs> forever. <laughs> it is. But so how did you guys started dating? Was it during the creation of Varikai? At the end of creation, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like a premiere party. And mm -hmm. I remember like he kept pulling me into the tapir rouge and and I remember like I accepted a drink uh, and it was pretty red like there was mm -hmm. a lot of juice and by the end of the night my drink kept getting lighter and lighter mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like somebody's <laughs> trying to make me drunk or something <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then we we started dating actually in Quebec City the, the next city we went to I think he tried to date me while I was there in Montreal mm -hmm. but uh I made it super hard for him to, yeah. <laughs> to get a date with me. How was it because you were working on tour and was he like staying on tour with you or was he going back and forth? Because you must have been pretty busy. He was going back too. and forth. Yeah. Going back and forth. And between the cities, I would go and visit him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> fun times. How was it for you to be, because I can imagine him was it affecting your relationship with like the artistic director of the show or like your co-workers in a way of like definitely 
There was an artistic director came to me and she's like, I need to talk to you. And she took me outside and she's like, uh, the person you're dating right now, um, I think you should stop. And I'm like, well, it's my personal life. And well, why would you say that? Like, give me, <laughs> give mm. me no choice. Like, this is my personal life. Mm -hmm. And I'm making sure that I'm not late. Even mm -hmm. though I've been dropped off in a helicopter, but I'm, I made mm -hmm. sure I wasn't late. I'm pretty good, like keeping the rules. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Well, if you don't stop, I'm gonna make sure your life is really hard on tour." What? Why? Yes. And uh, I took it like, "Oh my god!" Like, um, I even told that to Guy once, and he's like, "Well, it's your artistic director. You have to deal with her." I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> but why do you think she was like that? You think she was trying to protect you? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. But I think that was a cause for me to leave and take a a year and a half off. I yeah, think that was a, a big push. I was just like, there's no life. <laughs> like, mm. besides that, you always have to be like following all the rules you know you can't have any, even have a personal life so i was i was a little felt like a, a little bit of imprisonment you know like yeah. even my last days i was making fun of it i was like one more day to be out of here you know like mm. like people do that in prison no yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it became like a little bit tough yeah so like they they'd study treat me whenever i would be hurt um they would be like eh, maybe she's lying or something you know maybe she just wants to be out of oh, it yes. so that's how they made it harder so everything you were doing was always like oh but anyway she's just the boss girlfriend yeah so she can mm -hmm. do whatever she wants and right so they made it a little bit harder for me it's crazy because um something similar happened to my trapeze partner and i because we signed our contract for totem one year before finishing circus school so we were the first people in our year to be signed to have a job. But mm -hmm. after we signed, it was the same thing. Like I remember arriving late for a dance class, but less like five minutes. And everyone in my class were like, oh yeah, now that, he, now that he has a job, he can be late. Oh yeah, now that they have a job, they can do that. And I remember being mm -hmm. like, I just missed my bus. Like I, I don't have a different attitude, but they... Their perception changed and yeah, I can understand. Right, Imagine yeah. The fun times. Yeah. <laughs> Olga, I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. If tomorrow aliens would land on Earth, how would you explain <laughs> Cirque du Soleil to them? Hmm. I was going to say um, Cirque du Soleil to aliens. Oh my gosh, made it hard. <laughs> um, I would say this is how. This is how we imagine them <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> maybe we're aliens. <laughs> and it's our interpretation of of uh, the world that doesn't exist. Oh, nice. It's our interpretation of a world that doesn't exist. But that would be amazing if it would. It would be. Yeah. Uh, Olga, thank you so much for giving some of your time to come and chat thank with us. Thank you. It was an honor for me to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I uh, wish you great happiness and many, many fulfilled and strong hand balancer students.
Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> it was so nice to talk to you. Take care. Take care. Take care. Bye. What a fantastic artist. So strong, of course, but so sensitive and what a life. Again, I love what she pointed out about the perfectionist mindset and to be careful of not letting that trait get out of control in our lives. Let's strive for greatness, but let's also be proud and satisfied with every little steps on the way. You can now take a small moment of your time to give us a good rating and maybe a little review on your podcast app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CircusTalk.com, or wherever you're getting your podcasts. My dear friends, that is it for today. Tune in next week. Until then, take care. Have a good week. Toy, toy, toy if you're having shows. And as we say in the circus, see you down the road.